This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 135, Comic Reviews, the week of Wednesday, January the 8th. Welcome to the Comic Shenanigans podcast. This is episode 135. This is your host, Adam Chapman, and today we're looking at review uh, releases that came out uh, January the 8th, uh, so that's, I guess, the first actual comic book shipment of 2014. A lot of books actually came out, but I'm just going to be looking at a, re- a relatively truncated list. I'm going to be going a little bit quickly. Um, in the background, you're going to hear a little bit of uh, clinking, because uh, we've got some uh, laundry going as I, as I do this review uh, podcast. Um... I found that a lot of books, I read a lot of books this week, and I found for some reason a lot of them, it took a while for them to really stick in my mind, but I'll try and do my best to kind of get through. This episode might feature a little less focus on the kind of overall what happened in an issue, a little bit more on what I think about it, just because um, I have a little bit less time to work with today for the episode and more comics to talk about. So on the one side... Uh, we got more comics to talk about, which means that there's a wider array of comics being talked about. On the other side, it means because there's l- more comics and less time, then I'm going through each one a little bit faster. So the first one is, I believe, a book I haven't read in a while, uh, which is actually AVX, uh, sorry, A plus X number 16. Um, so, I mean, this book is going to be ending soon. Uh, this issue, the main focus is on a, a team-up between Amazing Spider-Man and Psylocke, uh, written by Sean Ryan, artwork by Goran Parlov, who I've never heard of before, but he does some good work. Uh, and then you have a Captain America and Cyclops story that I guess continues by Jerry Dugan and uh, David Yarden on pencils. Um, and a ton of inkers. you got Cam Smith, Norman Lee, Terry Pallet, Rapello, and David Yarden all on ink. So that's a lot of inkers for a short story. Um, anyways, the first story, now again, I've never seen any artwork by this Goran Parlov uh, individual before. I actually really liked his stuff. It had a very kind of clean, silver agey, kind of genre meter senior kind of look. Um, it's kind of an innocent kind of story. It's back in Peter Parker with Spider Man. It's kind of more in the 90s era, it would appear, or in and around that period, because you have Spider Man comes across um, Psylocke. They have a team up against um, some thugs. Um, at one point, it looks like Psylocke is dead. Uh, Spider Man's kind of there for her. Um, to kind of comfort her in her moment when she looks like she's going to pass away. It's kind of a weird team-up because it's it's really more of an emotional, quiet one where Spider-Man is comforting this woman who's really just kind of mad and who might, may or may not be dying. And then the X-Men show up, and you can tell it's the 90s era because you have you know Gambit in his classic costume, Cyclops in his Jim Lee 90s costume. Um, they show up and they say they're going to take it from here, which is really kind of weird. And then Spider-Man just kind of swings back out into the night and forgets what he's supposed to buy. Um... So kind of a weird story, uh, but you know what? A solid one, and one I did enjoy reading. Uh, then the second story, I was really torn on it, because on the one side, I love that Kadra K is actually being used. Again, I haven't read the last couple issues of this, so I feel like I missed something. Uh, I don't know why Cyclops and Cap are really teaming up, or how they're kind of able to uh, coexist and not be at each other's throats, but Kadra K, for those who don't know, is a mutant version of the Skrulls that Professor X kind of led... Uh, during maximum security, uh, and kind of in the lead up, was it lead up or after uh, the in- the incident that showed up to the twelve? I think it was before the twelve happened in the X Men comics around around nineteen ninety nine. Um, but I I kind of like that they were at least mentioned. But again, the team up here I didn't think it was necessary, and it just felt very forced. 
Um, and then it was kind of over, and I, I just didn't really like it. Uh, so this this book is going to be ending soon, so for better or for worse, I appreciate that they at least tried the concept. Um, I think the problem is is that as comics go up in price, and you know, A-plus X, I believe, is... Yeah, it's four dollars an issue. If you're paying four dollars an issue and it's not something that, and I hate, I know this really sucks for creators to hear, but it doesn't quote unquote matter. It's harder to get invested because comics are more expensive these days. It's not like you can just drop ten cents and buy a new issue. Like people aren't generally going to be picking up a lot of issues of a new title or of a title that they haven't tried before. It's untested. Um, it's just not the way it works anymore. I mean, that's why you have so many Batman titles because Batman will sell more than. Black Widow, for example. It's great that she has a new book, but how long is that really going to last for? Because it's not the same type of brand name recognition or brand loyalty that one of these longer titles have. It's not because it's a female character over a male one. It's just it's something to do with it's a new ti- it's a newer title. It's a character that's never really supported a long, ongoing series. If there had been a Black Widow series starting in the 60s, then maybe... You know, like I think that a lot of the longevity of these titles was decided a long time ago, and it's kind of predetermined in some ways. It's not always the case, but it feels that way sometimes. Anyways, uh, a lot less diatribing for me. I give this a five out of ten, mostly because I I like the first story. The second one I found really inconsequential, unimportant. As much as I like the idea that Kadro K was mentioned, it could have been done a lot better. Um, and I didn't really like the artwork in the second story either. It wasn't quite to my taste. Uh, next up is Action Comics 27. Speaking of something that's not really to my taste, this really felt terrible. Um, I really just didn't enjoy this. You got Greg Pak wrote it, and he should be great, but he's just not really doing that well for me on this title. Uh, Aaron Cooter doing the artwork. Again, not a huge fan of his interpretation. I really hate this version of Lana Lang. She's just she's too different, and having this weird creature, that this weird alien creature that you know Clark's dealing with, um, I just found my patience really tested here, and having Superman teaming up with a Lana Lang, who's able to, you know, have a gun, and she's not just the typical Lana Lang kind of damsel in distress, and I appreciate that he's trying to do that, but at the same time, I just didn't need this, and, um, Superman versus this villain, and trying to protect this, this, you know, this shape-shifting boy, I just found myself really kind of bored and not a big fan of the issue, so I gave it a four. Uh, next up is the all new, all new Marvel Now, post, uh, sorry, uh, exclamation point point one, number one, which is the dumbest name for pretty much anything. I thought the last one, the Marvel Now point one number one, was dumb enough, but now it's the all new Marvel Now point one number one, which is also additionally uh, very stupid. I'm gonna give this a bit of a, I think a six, mainly because ugh, I almost intended for a five, but the problem with a book like this is I think in some ways one of the best. Um, a style, this type of style book I've ever seen was, and I think most people would agree, was Countdown to Infinite Crisis number one. And what was great about that book is it gave you a strong lead story, uh, the idea that um, something's like basically it was a mystery starring Blue Beetle, uh, where we see him in the present and then we flash back to how he got there. And it was one of probably one of the best. Uh, Ted Core stories anyone will ever read. I mean, even fans of the character, he's never really been treated with a lot of gravitas, a lot of seriousness. He's always kind of been played for jokes, especially because of his involvement in the uh, JLI, uh, sorry, JLI Bahaha era. Um, so he's always kind of been played for laughs, but that's that one issue took brought him so seriously, uh, really made you care for the character and connect for him. And then when he got his brain shot out, it was extremely moving and upsetting. 
again, the best story he was ever in was the one where he was murdered, um, which kind of says something. But also sprinkled throughout, you had four different storylines that kind of cropped up that would lead into other miniseries down the road, which helped lead into uh, Infinite Crisis. So there's a reason why building into the Infinite Crisis, it was so fascinating because it really felt like this big universe-wide event was coming up and everything was starting to matter and the little pieces, the connections um, were fascinating to, when, you, when you could point them out, when you could pick them out and notice them. It was just tremendously exciting to be reading DC Comics back in 2004 because you knew something was coming and then when you read that one shot you're like, what the hell is Infinite Crisis? This is crazy. Um, you know, and what, what's going on with these OMACs, and it was just really exciting, and then you get to the actual Infinite Crisis, and so now you had all these really well-done build-ups, so, anyways, this is kind of a, a way of trying to do it, but my problem with the way Marvel's been doing it is that they really just kind of throw things together. Um, it's really just a clip book that you can kind of see you know, upcoming books that are part of the whole new Marvel Now launch, and there's no real unifying connection between them. I mean, you do have um, Loki, I mean, it's not really a thoroughfare throughout the issue. It's more interspersed throughout the issue. You have Loki's adventure to obtain some artifacts and some items, which is fine, but it's kind of interspersed between the previews of the new books. Um, and, and I guess that's just kind of irritating to me, unfortunately. Um, you have a lot going on here. You have different books that we're kind of getting a, a glimpse towards. You see, uh, you know, the invaders kind of being, um, uh, something that we're we're leading towards. You also see a preview for Silver Surfer, for Black Widow. Um, uh, I'm excited about the Invaders one, for sure. Uh, Black Widow, I was surprisingly entertained and interested. And uh, I actually don't think I would have read the first issue without reading this preview, which I thought was actually pretty cool. Um, and a real badass kind of story. Um, and then you move on from there, and you've got... Um, let's see, Braddock Academy. Oh, you have more with Loki. Then you have a little bit more with the new Miss Marvel we're going to be getting as part of the all-new Marvel Now launch, um, which I don't know if I care enough. I will probably read it, but this preview wasn't really that strong to me. Um, again, you have a, a little bit more of a glimpse towards what's going to be going on in Avengers World. So there's a lot of different things in this issue. You get to see some Rags Morales artwork. Um, it is a little inconsistent, though, because you have so many different stories kind of being told. Um, Loki's story was written by Al Ewing and artwork by Lee Garbutt, and I actually kind of enjoyed it, so it makes me a little bit more interested than I expected for the uh, Loki Agent of Asgard book. Now, I would love someone to tell me, if you could post in the HC Realms thread, I'd really appreciate it, or email me, what the hell's up with Kid Loki? Because I don't really remember the end of Kieran Gillen's Journey into Mystery run with Kid Loki. I know something happened at the end there, but then he was in Young Avengers, and I, I don't know if he was the real Kid Loki or if he was the adult Kid Loki in the Kid Loki body or something confusing. And now it looks like Loki's aged a little, and but he's still kind of Loki, so I just want to understand his status quo. If anyone can fill me in on what's been going on through Avengers, what, sorry, Young Avengers, as well as the end of the Kieran Gillen Journey into Mystery run, I would really appreciate it. Um, Silver Surfer uh, was written by Dan Slott, artwork by Michael Arwood, same uh, team as the new book. Black Widow's uh, little snippet was written by Nathan Edmondson and, Phil, and artwork by Phil Dodo, also the creative team for the upcoming Black Widow book. Miss Marvel was by G. Willow Wilson and Adrian Alfona, again the, art, the creative team on the new book. Uh, the Avengers, you had Nick Spencer and Raggish Morales. Uh, and then The Old New Invaders was written by James Robinson and Steve Puch. And I'm really excited for that one. I'm super, super into that book. Um, 
So I'm gonna, I guess I'm gonna give it a uh, six, six point five, almost a seven. Once I actually looked through it, maybe it was better than I expected. I'm still thrown, uh, not thrown off, a little annoyed by why can't we just have you know these these things start? Why do we need to get this sampler? Why do we need a four dollar sampler? Uh, I feel like if you want to be able to promote these books, maybe show us preview pages uh, at the at the back of a comic. Maybe have a free insert where you get to read like the these 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 stories we got. We shouldn't have had to pay for them. Um, if you really want us to get these books, maybe not put out this one shot, or maybe if you are, make it a cheaper one shot as as opposed to actually plunking down four dollars to be able to sample books. I feel like a dollar sampler would have been a little bit more in line. Anyway. Uh, moving on from there, we have All New X-Factor. Uh, this is number one by uh, Peter David and Leonard Kirk. Um, wait, sorry, not Leonard Kirk. I'm totally incorrect. I'm thinking of the last uh, the last book. No, this is by, um, so the last iteration of X-Factor. This is written, as I said, by Peter David. Our work by uh, Carmine DiGiomenico, who I've said in the past is one of my favorite illustrators to come, out, come around in the last five or six years. I think he's just got a great artistic style. Um... I really enjoyed Peter David's take on Gambit here, which kind of is a nice way of kind of showing that who Gambit is and what he kind of struggles with, and in some ways was a little bit more of a concise way of showing his struggles than the last Gambit series that we got um, by, I guess, what, Wells and Man? No, Asmus and Man? I can't even remember who wrote it, but... So this new version of X-Factor is a corporate-sponsored team by Serval Industries. Uh, you got Lorna Dane confronts, not confronts, um, comes and recruits Gambit to be as part of the team. Um, Gambit's obviously not so sure about being part of the team, but he's you know he's, he's interested in what they're trying to put together. Um, Quicksilver shows up to join the team as well, uh, which is always interesting to see um, and see how they kind of deal with each other because obviously Quicksilver was recently dealing with Polaris in one of the last issues of the old X Factor. We get a little bit of a glimpse to the idea that. Um, the X Factor name has been sold by Jamie Madrox, and he's you know enjoying himself on the farm. Um, and the team is going to go in to stop this genetic testing, and they uh, appear to almost say, or they're about to save Fatal, who was actually I believe originally in the old X Factor book at some point. Uh, I'm talking back during the government-sponsored days. I'm interested to see where this book goes. I like Peter David's take on Gambit so far. Um, I'm interested to see where the book could go. Uh, the idea of being a corporate sponsored team is kind of interesting. Um, really, Peter David enough is kind of enough for me to say, yeah, I'm in. And uh, I, the artwork by Jan Domenico, oh my god, I'm having problems with that name today, uh, is really good, really solid. I'm going to give this a solid 8.5. I'm on board. I'm interested in reading more for sure. Uh, next up is Avengers World number one. I'm not really sure this book needs to exist because. I mean, I, I understand the idea that they're going to have this book instead of having Avengers come out twice a month, and so this kind of takes the place of that second Avengers book, but really, because it's got the same cast and it's not that different, it could just be, uh, you know, the regular Avengers book, but I guess they want to pump up a new number one to have a new ongoing title. Um, I do kind of like the new logo for Avengers World. It's kind of nice. Uh, it's co-written by Jonathan Hickman and Nick Spencer, artwork by Stefano Caselli. Um, this first issue is pretty pretty strong. I like the idea of seeing um, you know this this cooperation between Shield and Captain America uh, as the Avengers have more of a presence with Shield. Um, there's this one page where you have a, a first responder to a to an emergency disaster, and you have 
Thor, uh, Captain Marvel, and Hyperion, and it's just such an awesome shot. Um, then we flip to Magipore, and you have a, a bunch of the Avengers there. You have Wolverine, Black Widow, and Falcon. It's a little inconsistent that, that no one's uh, really addressing the fact that Wolverine's kind of been removed from the Avengers over in Uncanny Avengers, but I guess that's not really surprising because continuity's a little bit loose at times. Uh, then we go to Italy, where you have Nightmask and uh, Starbrand with Hawkeye and um, Spider-Woman. Now, I thought that the, the characterization of Nightmask and um, Starbrand really didn't quite feel right here, because I felt like they, they act completely different in the core Avengers book, uh, especially Nightmask, and, well, actually, Nightmask and Starbrand, because Starbrand is so serious, and here he's almost goofy. But um, I, I guess I was okay with it. I do like the idea that uh, the mighty Gorgon is being mentioned and uh, is being awoken because I love when Hickman writes him, so I'm interested to see more about him. Um, yeah, no, I, I dug this book. Uh, it's a solid start. I'm interested to see where they go from here. Um, I'm interested to see how Spencer uh, influences the writing by Hickman, but so far, solid debut, 8 out of 10. Uh, next up is Batman Superman. And this is issue a number, let's see, seven. Um, oh, I hated the last issue, and I hated this issue too. It's really dumb. This idea that there's Mongols involved with these these programmers to kind of harness people's hatred and connect them to this video game so they can use their powers, power of everyone's hatred to kind of empower Batman. And Superman ends up becoming like taken out in the game, and then he gets his new unlockable character, which is again, even saying it sounds stupid. The two villains go up against Mongol. This was just painful to read. I didn't enjoy it. Um, it just I expect better from uh, Greg Pak and Brett Booth. Even though I'm not a huge fan of Brett Booth, I just expect better than this. Although, to be honest, I think probably Brett Booth's artwork is still a highlight compared to the writing by Greg Pak. This is just... I don't know what Greg Pak's doing. He's a brilliant writer. He's written some fantastic material. His incredible Hulk stuff was very inspired, especially the Planet Hulk original story. Um, his... Uh, X-Men Magneto Testament, who's just one of the most heart-wrenching Magneto slash... Well, not even Magneto, but like uh, Holocaust fiction and comics I've ever read. Uh, just brilliant material. And then he writes this. So, you know, go figure. Uh, next up is Batwing number 27. And now, I'm kind of speaking out of order, but Batwing 27 is part of the Gothopia storyline. What really bugged me here is they, they can really use a recap page because... I started reading this before I read Detective Comics, and honest to God, I had no fucking clue what was going on. It's written by Justin Gray and Jimmy Palmiotti, artwork by Eduardo Pensica. Not a bad creative team, I just didn't understand... Sorry, I apologize. The artwork is actually not by the team that's on the cover. It's actually by Jason Masters and with Scott Collins. That's not what it's put on the cover. Um, the story is very confusing if you haven't read the first part of Gothopia. I hate that it doesn't actually mention this part of Gothopia. You have to kind of know what DC's kind of dropping the ball here because it, the issue really doesn't make any sense. If you don't haven't been reading Gothopia, and even that was kind of hard to swallow in Detective Comics, you don't know that everyone's think, living under this false delusion of everything being wonderful but in a mass, you know, kind of illusion. Um, and they don't, they're not realizing who they really are and then uh, Lucius Fox kind of having to deal with that and he thought he was the flying fox but now he realizes no he's Batwing and he remembers the way the reality is supposed to be he inoculates his, his father is trying to protect his sister as well um, they're dealing with I guess the rat catcher I don't know 
I, it wasn't that strong an issue. I'm going to give it a six. Parts of the issue were good, but again, the lack of explanation of where this takes place and how and why does hurt the issue in terms of, like, there are people out there, possibly, who just read Batwing. It's very possible. I mean, they, they probably, maybe they jumped on, they like the character, or maybe they like the Lucas Fox character, what have you. It's possible that they're not reading all the Batman books. And let's be fair, Detective Comics is not the flagship book these days. That's Batman by Scott Snyder and uh, and, and Greg Capullo. That, up until Zerier, was the book that was dictating where everyone else was kind of going, and everyone else wanted to get involved in their storyline and not vice versa. Now, obviously, Detective Comics is coming forward with their issue 27 extravaganza and trying to kind of take the lead, but it's clumsily handled and not really well um, advertised on the issue itself. So I'm going to give the issue about a six. Uh, next up is Black Widow number one. Now, as I said, I probably wouldn't have read this if it wasn't for the uh, that little mini story in, um, in the old new Marvel Now point one number one issue. So it did, did do its job. It did get me interested in reading what Nathan Edmondson and Phil Noto uh, had to say about Black Widow. Um, the, the way that they write the character, I can't remember what book I was reading, but there was a book where they've kind of done this kind of idea before of her kind of paying penance for all the crimes of her past and all the bad things she's done and how she's trying to equal out the ledger, basically, uh, which is a fantastic idea. And that's basically what we see here with Black Widow. We start with a very James Bond-esque kind of caper, and then we kind of get introduced to the status quo, the idea that she's doing these jobs to go after the, the worst of the worst, um, to basically say penance, and she's providing trust for all these victims of of uh, things that she was involved in, and you know, she's not doing this for profit. She's never trying to do any. She's not putting her skills to the test to get a profit. She's doing it to atone for her sins, which is a very compelling uh, way to write the character. Which again is very different from how she used to be written. But I'm really enjoying it. Phil Noda's artwork is just right. It's very kind of at times very light on the palette. It's not. Uh, there's almost a certain ethereal quality to it, but in the in the best way. And uh, I just thought it was an extremely strong debut, and I'm really interested in reading more about their take on the character and uh, what's kind of behind what she does. And it's at times, like, it's very high concept because it's still her doing all the, the jobs, but in, at the same time, it kind of gives me a, a Hawkeye vibe in that... It's, this is what the character does when she's not part of the Avengers. This is when she's doing her own thing. In between Avengers gigs, this is what she's doing. And I kind of like that idea, that it's kind of between the panels. Previously, we just saw her as an Avenger. Now we get to see what she actually does in between those appearances. Uh, so I'm giving that an 8 out of 10. Next is Detective Comics 27. I'm actually going to give this just a 6 out of 10. It's a big issue. There's a lot going on. It's not consistent. There's a lot of messy things. Um, this mega-sized anniversary issue, which is kind of a real sad excuse to do one. Oh, it's issue 27, and issue 27 of Detective Comics was Batman's first appearance. Let's do something huge. All right, whatever, DC. You'll come up with any reason to do that. Um, I mean, the the variant, the variant covers, you have covers by Chris Burnham and Nathan Fairbairn, Tony S. Daniel, Danny Mickey, and Tomu Mori, Jason Fabach and Tomu Mori, Jim Lee and Alex Sinclair and Frank Miller and David Stewart. So you do have a lot of uh, variant covers. The main one being by Greg Capullo and FCO Placencia. Um, so the first story here is The Case of the Chemical Syndicate was a loose retelling um, and re-envisioning of the original Detective Comics 27 story. I My problem, I think, with this is that the Gothopia storyline should have been up front and center, and it wasn't. Um, 
Anyways, that, that lead story, The Case of the Chemical Syndicate, written by Brad Meltzer, artwork by Brian Hitch. Then you have a story called Old School, written by Greg Hurwitz and artwork by Neil Adams. Then you have a storyline called uh, Better Days, written by Peter J. Tomasi and artwork by Ian Bertram. Uh, Hero, story and art by Francesco Francavilla. Uh, the Sacrifice, written by Mike Barr and artwork by Guillaume March. This, uh, then you have Goctopia, written by John Lehman and artwork by Jason Fabok. And then 27, story by Scott Snyder and artwork by Sean Murphy. So the first one is, again, just rough retelling of the original uh, story that Batman showed up in. It wasn't the best Hitch artwork I've ever seen. He's done better. Uh, the script by Meltzer could have been better as well. I I get that he was doing an, like this re-envisioning of the original character. I just didn't like... First of all, it, it's odd to show it now because Batman doesn't dump people in acid like he does here, but he does here. Um, and even the way he's written is very... like doesn't even feel like Batman. I, I would prefer a re-envisioning of the original story, but still having the character feel like Batman, but he doesn't really... The internal voice doesn't sound like Batman. Uh, I do like some of the, the pinups you have, though, uh, including the one by uh, Pat Gleason. It's kind of a fun one with Batmite, and uh, it's more of a Silver Age kind of feel. Um, the Greg Herbert story, the old school, I didn't really... Like, it kind of had this old school sensibility, but they kept shedding costumes and becoming more modern, and I just thought it was trying too hard, and I, I really just didn't care much for it. Um... And then it ends with, like, the 75th anniversary celebration for Batman. I didn't care for it. Um, then you have this really cool jock uh, pinup. Um, you've got this The Better Days story by Peter J. Tomasi and Ian Bertram, which is kind of a fun tale of, you know, this future version of, of Bruce Wayne. He's kind of celebrating the Bat legacy. Um, you know, he's quite an old man. He decides he's going to go to his Batman anyway. And it's kind of a fun, almost humorous take on the Dark Knight Rise. Uh, sorry, Dark Knight Strikes Again kind of idea. It's okay. Uh, then you have Rain, which is the Francesco Francavilla story, which I really didn't care for. And I didn't really get it. I guess it's supposed to be got, um, James Gordon Jr., but it wasn't really that clear. You have a shop with, uh, a one shot with, sorry, one shot. You have a, um, uh, one page pinup by, uh, Kelly Jones, which is kind of, the uh, the old school version of Batman, very exaggerated, but very of the '90s. You have an Azrael shot in there. You also have Bane and Robin, although an adult-looking Robin, and an oddly kind of weird-shaped uh, Harley Quinn. Then you have uh, the Sacrifice story by Mike Barr, and it's got the Phantom Stranger. I didn't really like this either. I get what they're saying, the idea of the different sacrifices that Batman's made over the years, but I just didn't think it was that great. Then you have the, the what really should have been the lead story by. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Fabok on Art. No, I can't even remember who's writing it. Um, John Lehman, which is part one of three for Gothopia. Uh, kind of cool. Interesting. It took a while to understand what was going on, but it made me interested enough to keep reading. The artwork, I thought, was some of Fabok's. I really love Fabok's take on Batman. His line work is just stellar. Um, he, his stuff is really the highlight of this issue. It definitely made me wonder what the hell's going on, but in a good way. Um... And I'm interested to read the rest of Gothopia. I just wish the Gothopia um, other books, the tie-ins, were more uh, expl explanatory in terms of what the hell is going on in Gothopia. Because, really, they're not. And then the uh, 27th story, I didn't really enjoy this either. It was just this weird future Batman. I just don't, I didn't really care for it. So, really, I, I enjoyed one and a half stories here um the, like what should have been the lead the gothopia part one and half of 
the um, the retelling of Detective Twenty Seven, and then and a little bit of the artwork in the second story, uh, which was kind of the the Batman through time kind of idea. Um, it was just kind of a mess. I mean, you put this many creators, but you don't deliver a lot of really strong stories. And I thought it would have been better as well if they're all in continuity, but they're not. They're just kind of their weird own thing. And again, if I'm paying. How much was this issue again? Like eight bucks or something stupid? Like, if you're paying that much for a comic, I, I like to give me content, but it's in, just as important as the page count is to give me good content. And I don't quite think they delivered. Anyway, so I gave that a 6 out of 10. Uh, next up with Earth 2, number 19. Uh, I continue to like this almost in spite of myself. Uh, just because I miss what this book was under Robinson. That being said, I do think that uh, they're doing a good job of the book so far. Tom Taylor uh, with artwork by Nicola Scott. The artwork is fantastic. The story is intriguing. Uh, I like kind of what they're going with. I want to see. I want to know more. Like every issue, I am excited to read the next one. It just has a very different feel than the original James Robinson Nicholas Scott, um, you know, run. Um, but I'm still enjoying it. And again, I said that in spite of myself because I was really upset that Robinson was leaving. And it de- definitely feels like a completely different book. The cast feels more centered on different creations. It's, you know, you got the Batman, the Red Tornado, the you know the new possessed Superman, and we're not really seeing much or, or any of. I, is Green Lantern dead? Like I, I think I feel like I missed an issue, but I don't think I did. I just think it was so fast. And then you're not really seeing Flash either. Um, these are the characters that we kind of got invested in over the first what year and a half or a year and a bit, and then to not really have them addressed at all is very jarring. Um, and have to have the new writer just kind of not even address them at all is a little disturbing. Uh, anyways, I'm giving the issue an 8, though, because I, I do enjoy it. Um, then next up after that, we have Forever Evil Arkham War number 4. For the life of me, I can't quite remember what was going on in this book, but I like the idea of kind of Bane um, kind of teaming up with what the, the a lot of different fragments. You have all the kind of the people of Gotham being uh, overrun by Black A prisoners, by Arkham prisoners. Everyone's kind of out there. There's a lot of crazies. You have the different factions forming. I'm enjoying it. Um, again, I, I like the take on Bane. It's kind of interesting and intriguing. And then kind of having him team up with the Talons, or one specific Talon, uh, the Cobb Talon, was interesting. Uh, I like the cover as well. Meet Gotham's newest diabolic duo. Uh, Tomasi, again, is writing the crap out of this. And Scott Eden is doing a great job in artwork. So I really dug this. Uh, next up, so that was 7.5 out of 10. Next up is Green Lantern 27. I haven't read this in, I think, like, six issues or something. Like, whenever Jeff Johns left, uh, I read, I think, the first issue of the new run, and that was about it. Um, but I decided to give this issue a, a try. Um, it's written by Robert Venditti, artwork by Dale Eaglesham. Uh, it was, considering I haven't really read the last few issues, it was pretty easy to jump right in, um, to understand what's been going on, know that... You know, obviously the Blue Lanterns are all dead and gone now. If St. Walker you know, now believes that hope is lost, or he no longer has hope in his heart, which is really sad for fans of that character, but I'm hoping we'll eventually get to see him come back stronger than ever. Um, Hal's really struggling with being a leader. Uh, you have the idea that these, these braid men have been, found a way to kind of break into the Lantern Corps' new, Green Lantern Corps' new uh, headquarters. They're able to subdue Hal Jordan, and then um, basically pretend to be him on a system-wide kind of um, uh, 
uh, transmission all across the cosmos, which riles people up against the Green Lantern Corps, and now the Green Lantern Corps is beset on all sides by all these different races that are trying to attack them now and rebel against them because of what the, the traitor, uh, what they believe Hal Jordan has said. Uh, it's actually pretty strong. I'm interested in seeing where they go from this. Um, and again, a lot better than I would have expected. And I like the Eagle Sham artwork, so I'm going to give this one a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, next up is, and last up, is Wolverine 13. This, I believe, is the last issue of this current run, and then we're going to be leading into the next Wolverine title. Uh, I forget who's actually writing it, but it's artwork by Brian Stegman, uh, which should be good. Um, this is the conclusion of Killable by Paul Cornell and Alan Davis. Uh, I actually really like this. I was talking with my brother-in-law, um, Paul, uh, who's been on the podcast many times in the past recently, um, and uh, he was really just not a fan of where this was going. I thought it was kind of stupid, but I've actually really been enjoying it. And uh, Sabretooth kind of messing with uh, Wolverine here and deciding he's not even worth killing at this point. Um, I liked how the the idea of honor and the way Sabretooth was written. I even liked the way he was depicted with the suit and the, his hair kind of groomed back was kind of a nice style. I liked that the disease tries to make a bargain with Wolverine so that it can survive and also help Wolverine survive and be better. Uh, Wolverine rejects it, and so he doesn't have his powers anymore. He just damages the sword. Um, for some reason, Uatu shows up, but really, Uatu shows up all the time now. Although he's about to be murdered, so he's not going to be alive for a lot much longer. And then the issue kind of ends, and he, it looks like uh, Wolverine's kind of taken off from the X-Men. He's all bandaged up, lost his eye, and, uh, and then we lead into a promo for the next uh, series, which is launching soon. But Yeah, it's by Paul Cornell still and Ryan Stegman. Um, and it's interesting in the, the cover of that we see where Wolverine has his claws and is holding a gun and has this new armor, we're not actually seeing his right eye. And I guess his his right eye is the one that is was gouged out or very injured and gone. So um, it's interesting that they don't actually let us see that in that cover. So I gave the issue an 8 out of 10. I actually really dug it, and I'm interested to see where they go with next. I like Paul Cornell. I love Ryan Stegman, although I'm sad that Stegman's leaving... Uh, Superior or Amazing Spider-Man, whatever you want to call it. And uh, that's the weeks in com- week in comics. Books that didn't have a chance to read or just there was a lot of things that came out that I didn't really get a chance to look at, including 100 Bullets, Brother Lono, number 7, Avengers AI, 8 point now. I just don't have no interest. Uh, Batman Black and White, number 5, Cable Next Force, 18, Cataclysm Ultimate Spider-Man, number 3. Unfortunately, the Ultimate Universe will continue, and I think they should probably end it, but they won't. Unfortunately, now that that's been confirmed. Cataclysm Ultimates Last Stand, number three. Uh, Daredevil Dark Knights, number eight. So that series is now over. Deadpool 22, Ferris 22, Phantom X Max, number four. FPD, Federal Bureau of Physics, number seven. Green Arrow 27, Hinterkind, number four. Infinity Heist, number four. And Humanity Awakening, number two. I actually completely forgot about this issue, and good thing, because I hated the first issue, so I doubt I would enjoy this. Iron Man number 20, Marvel Knights, Spider-Man number 4, Marvel Universe Avengers Assemble number 4, Movement number 8, Painkiller Jane, Price of Freedom 3, Revolutionary War Alpha. I'm just not a huge fan of Marvel UK, but I'm sure someone will read this and enjoy it. Savage Wolverine 14.0, Scooby-Doo Team-Up number 2, Smallville Season 11, Alien number 2, Stormwatch 27, Swamp Thing 27, Trinity of Sin, The Phantom Stranger 15, Vampire Diaries number 1, which I believe was originally digital, and Young Avengers 15. And as a, a quick uh, look forward to uh, to next week, uh, or the stuff coming out tomorrow, because I'm recording this on the 14th. So stuff coming out on the 15th includes uh, certain highlights. 
are, uh, let's see, from the DC side, Batgirl 27, which is part of Gothtopia, uh, Batman Little Gotham number 10, uh, you've got a Creature Commando shape paperback, Forever Evil, Rogue's Rebellion number 4, surprised, I feel like I missed an issue because I didn't know it was an issue number 4, you have Injustice Year 2 number 1, Justice League 3000 number 2, which I didn't really like the first issue, uh, yet another Forever Evil tie-in, Justice League of America in number 11. Nightwing 27, Superboy 27, Superman Wonder Woman number 4, and World's Finest 19. Um, then from uh, Marvel, we have All New X-Men 21, Amazing X-Men number 3, which I'm really looking forward to, because I'm really enjoying Ed McGuinness and Jason Aaron on that book. You have the final trade of Avengers Arena coming out. You have the Avengers uh, Premium Hardcover Volume 4, which is the Infinity trade. Uh, Tie-ins, which is interesting that they're releasing it before they've actually released the actual Infinity uh, hardcover on its own. And it looks like, I don't even know if we're getting that, because Infinity's being released as, its, as an oversized hardcover, which has the Avengers tie-ins and the new Avengers tie-ins. So it's interesting that they're not actually releasing uh, Infinity as its own, on its own in the hardcover, at least so far. Uh, Daredevil 35, I don't think that's the last issue yet. Uh, FF, sorry, Fantastic Four 16. Inhumanity Spider-Man number one, uh, you have it. The uh, I think the first epic collection in the Fantastic Four line with All in the Family or All in Family. Uh, you've got uh, Nova number twelve, which I'm looking forward to. Superior Spider-Man twenty-five, which I'm super looking forward to. Uh, the last issue was fantastic. All the threads kind of being th- um, tied together, so I'm really pumped to read that. Uh, also, you have a new issue of Secret Avengers. You got Superior Spider-Man trade paperback volume four, Necessary Evil. Uh, Thor God of Thunder is finally coming out in trade as Volume 1 God Butcher comes out uh, you've got Uncanny X-Force 16 which is part of the crossover with uh, Cable and X-Force Uncanny X-Men 16 and then X-Men Legacy 22 that's a lot of stuff coming out this coming week so uh, I guess that's really all we have uh, time for this episode so thank you for joining me for this reviews podcast uh, the next episode will come out in about two days uh, it'll be released on the 16th, at, uh, well really on the 15th at midnight, so basically the 16th. That'll be a spotlight on Star Trek episode with uh, Tipper Mate, who's been on previous episodes in the past. Usually uh, spotlight movie episodes. We'll talk about just Star Trek in general. Um, past, present, future. Uh, all the different series, all the different movies. It's about a two and a half hour conversation. And we were really only just getting started. So I think that might be a something we continue on in the future is have future talk and track episodes which is what they'll be branded as in the future um and that's something you can look forward to next week's uh, non-reviews episode i think will be a solicitation review episode just like we did a month or so ago when we looked at this the last group of solicitations we'll look at the new group uh in the next episode anyways thank you and then uh, also before actually before i sign off i think future episodes of flashback will include uh a focus on the Green Goblin series by Tom DeFalco in the 90s, as well as uh, perhaps the Gathering of Five slash the final chapter of Spider-Man storylines. I know I've been very Spider-Man centric, or at least the first episode of Flashback I did was Spider-Man centric, and then Green Goblin's very Spider-centric obviously, and then the the Gathering of Five is the Spider-Man storyline. So maybe I'll try and stick do something else that's not just um, Spider-Man, I, at some point I would like to maybe talk about uh, Infinite Crisis and kind of go back to 2004. It's hard to believe it's been 10 years um, because I remember that very clearly when I was in university reading that and now it's hard to believe that it's been a decade uh, and it doesn't. And nothing from that really matters because of the new 52. Anyways, thank you for joining me for this episode. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com like, me, like the show on Facebook, please leave an iTunes uh, rating or review. I would really appreciate it. Just, we need to get a little bit more ratings so we can 
um, you know, help build the uh, the audience for the show, and um, also post our HC Realms thread. I really appreciate it. So thank you for joining me uh, this week, and I'll catch you next time. Bye bye.